Hey everybody and welcome back to Infinity Watchers. I'm John here joined as always by my good friend Jared. Yo. And we're here to talk about Moon Knight episodes 3 and 4. But we also are going to talk about a little bit of love and a little bit of thunder. Do I have to bleep those out too? Does, or, I mean, I, I thought we were going to start a running gag that we were going to have a running gag where I was going to bleep out Thor Love and Thunder for... <laughs> <laughs> every time we mentioned that. it on here <laughs> just i, I mean there, there was a time where we that's all we talked about for like three weeks <laughs> there was but now the trailer's here so we're gonna talk about it for uh just the next three weeks <laughs> which is pretty so. much almost all all we have left until the movie comes out it feels like right like it's i'm kind of uh... i'm kind of liking this marketing strategy of waiting until the last minute of, and dropping a teaser I love it. I mean, for for Love and Thunder, like that's all I need at this point. Right. Is I don't what we got. I don't want anything else. I don't like we got the tone. That's really all I need. Yeah. So what were your thoughts overall on that trailer? I loved it. Like I, I had high expectations going into this and this met them, if not exceeded them. Uh, got a lot more of the Guardians than I imagined. And you and I were talking about this uh, back and forth off air that uh it's probably just going to be a small portion of it and they might show up at the beginning and, and at the end mm-hmm. uh i mean james dunn has given his blessing to taika working with them and i mean that team fits taika pretty well but i am stoked to see what happens here i think i the way i described it was if if uh radnorock was like a 70s glam rock album come to life this is like an 80s hair metal album come to life yeah, it really is. It, it's like <laughs> Masters of the Universe, Flash Gordon. Like those uh-huh. are the vibes you get from this big time. Uh-huh. Like we we had those in Ragnarok, but I think with this, it just feels like an adventure movie. It does, you know? <laughs> like a soul searching adventure movie. Uh huh. And Which I I'm... just love, I love the vibes we get from this trailer. It's just it it's perfect, mm-hmm. it, and it's it's just perfect for where Thor is mentally as a character after Endgame, right? Like right. the whole conversation with Frigga and find out who you are. Like a, everyone fails at who they're supposed to be. Like it's just a perfect like setup for and jumping off point for this movie. And they, they're really running with that in a way I didn't really expect. No, you no. Know, like it kind of seemed like I, I almost read his arc in Endgame as completing that conversation with Frigga, but he's still trying to really find out like what does it mean for him now that he's not the king of asgard right and i i just love that and then just to see you know we get a quick shot of jane as uh the mighty <laughs> thor and that that's just gonna rock everything and upset the balance of what <laughs> what's going on you know like i i really wonder what point in the story that she's introduced as the mighty thor now i wonder is that going to be a i mean we're speculating going into multiverse of madness and coming off of no way home but like is that going, do you think that's going to have the multiverse uh, aspects is going to have any impact on that? Or is this I really actually don't think. this version of Jane that somehow turned into the, into the mighty Thor? I think they're going to go with the, the same um, origin she has in the comics, which is not multiverse related at all. And I think that's the way to go because I think you can't do multiverse in every project, Mm-mm. you know, especially these two that are so back to back, like, if you you're blowing open the multiverse with strange where if you use multiverse just to introduce this version of thor in love and thunder it's not going to be as impactful i don't think mm-hmm. and i think that her arc in this if they follow the comics is going to be probably the emotional core of the movie 
So what is her arch then? So essentially, it's it's very heartbreaking. Okay. <laughs> the way she becomes Thor in the comics. Um, essentially, she has cancer. And because of her cancer and her wish to do good and help people, she is worthy of Mjolnir. Okay. However, when she wields Mjolnir, she becomes Thor, but it also resets her chemo treatments. So she's oh. actually killing herself by becoming <laughs> Thor. And every time, every single time she does the heroics, and this is the reason she's able to do it is because Thor has given up the ability to be Thor. Like he's mm-hmm. given up the hammer. He's given up his kingdom. It's kind of a similar place to where he is now, but a little bit darker. Um, but yeah, she is worthy to hold Mjolnir because she's essentially like sacrificing herself to help the greater good. That's interesting. I and I, yeah, I definitely I, think they're gonna go with that route because it it, it it's the perfect like Taika story. You know the is. way he's able to make things so heartbreaking and so like. Well, like, his his stuff lately has been pretty sardonic. I mean, Jojo Rabbit. I I saw it in theaters and I loved it. I I can understand why some people weren't the biggest fans of it. But, I really loved it. Oh my gosh, the the, the everything shoes. the shoes. Oh my yep. gosh. Like when I, don't I saw know that if I've ever been hit so hard. I don't want to the- spoil it for people, but I don't know if I've ever been hit so hard by a scene no. of Goofy. No, the the uh <laughs> the entire mood in the theater just dropped all of a sudden once uh-huh. like once the shoes yeah. came on screen and uh that and then uh Paired with like how that movie ends, where it's just kind of like, what's it? I can't think of the kid's name in it. He's he's kind of a dick throughout the whole thing. <laughs> when you really think about it, granted he's a child, but at the same time, like he's still mm-hmm. he's still not that likable for a while, mm-hmm. <laughs> even in the end. Um, and then he just wrapped up the first season of, of Our Flag Means Death, and mm-hmm. I can't recommend that enough to people if you haven't seen it. It's on HBO Max. Um, it stars Rise Darby as um, Steve Bonnet, Steve Bonnet, the gentleman pirate, as he calls mm-hmm. himself. Uh, it's ba- inspired by a true figure, a real pirate who essentially gave up his entire life of luxury and was a rich, was a, born a rich boy and like grew up and wanted to become a pirate the rest of his life and basically gave up his entire lifestyle to go be a pirate. And like, it, it's only eight episodes. Each episode is like, up to 45 minutes to an hour, but Taika plays Blackbeard in it. And the chemistry between him and, and rise are in is incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's also, uh, I, I never knew how to say this pro- in the proper ways, but I've seen outlets report that it's like the best, uh, was it like LGBTQ representation put the screen in really? recent years. Yeah. Like it's, Oh, that's cool. It's very, it's so well done. And like, it's, it's funny. It's, it's tense. Um, and I'm coming, I'm getting, I'm arriving at the point here where like a lot of this <laughs> plays into what you were saying about Thor coming to grips with who he is and who he's become, uh, after the events of Endgame. Well, I mean, our flag means death kind of follows Steed kind of fo- and Blackbeard both follow a similar arc in it. So I'm starting to notice a recurring theme in, in Taika's work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think just going that route versus with Jane, like going going that route 
the comic accurate route versus the multiverse route, I think just is so much more impactful. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't see them avoiding that. And plus, you have to think they've kind of already set the stage for, you know, Jane having cancer because of the, the dark world. Yeah. <laughs> and the ether being inside her. They, they've said that it's radiation emitting from the Infinity Stones. Like they've they called that out multiple times in Endgame that it's gamma radiation. You got a so point they could, there. They could easily like tie it back to that. And then, you know, there's. There's some guilt with Thor in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that Natalie Portman has openly talked about that storyline being adapted. Oh, okay. Um, so, so I'm pretty sure that's what they're going to do. And it's going to be a gut punch and I think a difficult story. <laughs> but that's that's kind of what the MCU does best, right? Is the, the, the deep character arcs <laughs> that we get to see. <laughs> um, and I... I don't know how it ends. Um, I mean, I, I'd i be open to seeing Natalie Portman just continue on as <laughs> the mighty Thor, to be probably, honest. She probably wants to. Like, yeah. she, she got, Jane got ignored largely for a lot of Phase 1 and Phase 2 and was just kind of a plot device in, in a dark world. And why that's why she never came back for the others. She didn't mm-hmm. want to. Uh, like even Endgame, that was a... It was delete. It was a deleted scene from the Dark World that was cut into Endgame. Um, yeah. So, I part of me thinks she actually wants to come back and with somebody who actually has a, a creative vision and ideas and interesting uh, story devices and interesting themes and ideas to play with. It might make her want to stick around a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see it. Um, also, how about the um, Meek in a suit? Did you see that? I didn't see Meek in a suit, but Meek's back. <laughs> Next to uh, Valkyrie when she's sitting in the chair at the like, board at the government meeting, Meek's standing <laughs> next to her in just the full human suit. <laughs> love it. You love it. You gotta love it. From what I heard, they're they're gonna fix up Meek to be made more like uh, made him more like Planet Hulk. In this one. That's what I'd like to see, man. I'm all I'm all about more Korg and Meek. And Korg oh, seems always... like he has a big role in this too. So that's he does. Awesome. Yeah, it almost looks like, like. Well, I mean, Ragnarok kind of took the the the, the road movie to a whole other, another galaxy, and it looks like they're going to do it again. The Buddy Road movie. Yeah, this seems even more so like yeah. one though. Like that one was more going, going to unfamiliar home. locations, right? And. Thor is like driving it too. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. in, in Ragnarok, it never really felt that much like a, a road trip movie as they no. had advertised it because Thor was kind of stuck in <laughs> uh, on Sakaar for a while. Right. Like he was right. He was driven by the plot this time. It seems like he's kind of just meandering about trying to <laughs> figure out what he <laughs> wants to do. And I'm sure that Gore is going to come in and just put a stop to that. I or force don't... him out of retirement or what? I Whatever. don't want to see Gore in the trailers. Like I, I want that to be revealed to happen in real time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, he'll be in the second trailer for sure. But I like, know I, I don't want to see the second trailer. I might just not. I might do like a little experiment and not watch the second trailer for this oh. one, just because we're so close to it. You know? Oh, it's fun. Like it's fun to yeah. do. I did it with the Last Jedi, and it's harder. It's harder with. Um, yeah, I actually did. I think I did it with the Last Jedi too. But like, it, I think it's a lot harder with the podcast because we want to talk about it but like yeah let's just do it as a little 
join us in our in our experiment <laughs> and avoiding the don't the actual watch full the trailer second trailer love and thunder whenever it it drops in in july in the middle May, of july june what I mean, the trailer the film the drops in yeah the film is um first week of july but oh boy you have to think that Leading up to that, there's going to be a full trailer. I mean, this is usually the time when we get the full trailer, but we only got a teaser at this point. Yeah. So, I mean, or, they're, te- they're essentially full trailers, but whatever. Or possibly, then. I mean, I'm trying not to be cynical anymore. I just, I've, I've seen everything everywhere all at once twice now, and I'm trying not to be cynical. But, um, we get, we're, we get to the point where one of the post credit scenes is always going to be a new trailer now <laughs> after mm. no way home. <laughs> yeah, that could be, I guess I can't, I can't imagine it being this close. Like they would drop both trailers, but you never know. But we also get King Valkyrie now. Yeah. <laughs> Ruling well, an earth version of Asgard. Yeah. Which looks like it's a like tourist trap now. Did you catch that? <laughs> There were literal like <laughs> carnival cruise ships docked at New, New Asgard, and uh, New Rockstars pointed out that one of them has Volstagg's face on it, so they might be based on like the Warriors Three. Just <laughs> <laughs> another slap in the face from Taika to them. <laughs> That's great. I didn't notice that. Yeah. <laughs> so New Asgard is a is a tourist trap now. Valkyrie is ruling it. She looks bored, and perfect. Uh, a tourist trap would be the perfect place to see another like play production, wouldn't it? It would. And I think Matt Damon's coming back. I thought I heard that. So maybe we will get a recreation of something. What but, is? And then in in the tight. I mean, we didn't talk about the needle drop and the trailer music. Just the the slow <laughs> fade in of Sweet Child of Mine. Perfect. <laughs> perfect and that's where the uh that's where that 80s hair metal thing was coming oh, from yeah. for me oh, it, yeah. it's so obvious but like i'm so tired of hearing that song but when i heard it, i'm like i forgot how great this song really yes is. that's exactly how i felt like i feel like i've heard it it almost feels like you hear it once a week like, uh-huh. <laughs> in some form or another but even then it still just hit hard mm-hmm. during this trailer I think it's the the way it was introduced with like the slow, just like clean guitar coming in, and you mm-hmm. realize that because they played the the underlying melody mm-hmm. before they played the riff, <laughs> right? So you you didn't know exactly that's what they were doing, but when the the guitar riff hit, you're like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so is this going to be the new immigrant song of of this one? Then it could be. It could be. I I was disappointed they used immigrant song in the trailer and in the film yeah. for Ragnarok a little well, bit. But. Well, I mean, I, I we I talked about that a little bit when Taika was pitching Ragnarok mm-hmm. that he for his reel he used immigrant song to like yeah. And I mean, I was thinking about this the other day that after this trailer dropped that like Led Zeppelin is notorious for not letting anybody use their music. Right. And I mean, granted. Marvel was able to pay for the rights to that, <laughs> but that says a lot that even and even when places have the money, Led Zeppelin has been very uh, has been very strict about using their music. When mm-hmm. uh, I think when Adam McKay wanted to use "When the Levee Breaks" in what was it in the bid short, 
they agreed to it, but they, he had to play the album in order. He couldn't play just when the levy breaks. It had to be like in sequential order. Like they're very strict about what oh, wow. about the use of their music. So for them to use to just use immigrant song without like I there isn't a better needle drop, I think, in the MCU no. other than starting off Ragnarok with Immigrant Song and then once Thor regains his confidence and be- and becomes the new god of thunder mm-hmm. it hits back in um i'm just curious like because that song is about vikings and valhalla how is how is sweet child of mine gonna play into this if it's if that's the song of of love and thunder i don't know thor's eyes looked extra blue in this one <laughs> I don't know. I guess uh, we'll find out. I guess, I guess we'll find out. I mean, yes, we will. Taika's not without purpose. That's he, for sure. He isn't. And we, I mean, we got, um, we got just the back of the head of Russell Crowe as Zeus. Yeah, we did. And it's a cool design for Olympus. Mm-hmm. Like that's not a representation of Olympus we've seen in other media before. Like kind of no. like a floating. It almost looks like an industrialized pandora from avatar like with all the floating interconnected right chunks of land with like buildings all over them it looked really really neat i just i just oh god i love the like prop look of zeus's bolt like it didn't look like an energy bolt it just looked like it was plastic (laughs) or something like like they they almost strike me as like pretenders which makes me all the more certain that gore is going to show up there and just absolutely slaughter them all <laughs> like i would not be surprised if there is no greek pantheon left in the mcu after this film, aside from maybe like hercules or something so i wonder is like i mean who was it and who am i trying to think of from ragnarok um i wonder is this like a full full supporting role is this going to be a plot point or is this just a cameo that's being played up to like introduce gore so my my thought is i think we're looking at the opening of the movie Mm -hmm. i think we open with zeus on olympus and i think he gets killed by gore and maybe a few (laughs) of the other gods and then we cut like you know you you do the harsh opening cut the thor you know, just doing his soul searching with the guardians. Like, I think that seems like a natural, like, you know, you set up some of the mystery, you go through the first act, which is like complete Thor focused with the guardians, like adventure movie, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, like this eighties adventure. And at that point you probably have Thor keyed into some of the other gods dying or something. I I don't know. And eventually return back to new Asgard. And that's where Jane is introduced. And, you know, that's, Second act is trying to figure out what is happening with Gore and third act's confrontation. Okay, yeah, I like that. I do like I do like that because we see another a... shot of Thor and Korg, and it looks like Valkyrie and Jane showing up at Olympus. Yeah, um, I just, I just wonder is it going to be not not necessarily a murder mystery or a detective story, but like we're like we obviously will probably see Gore killing Zeus, or or is it going to be that? Gore is now a threat, and Zeus is like hiring, or Zeus once alerts, yeah, alerts Thor and the Asgard pantheon to like, hey, this guy is out here taking out other gods. 
maybe they uh Thor maybe Thor figures out that they're doing that and they visit Olympus to like bait Gore to come in there, like assemble the Norse and the Greek mythology oh. in one place. Yeah. That would be cool. <laughs> and Zeus is a little more active than we thought. Um but I think he ultimately dies by Gore's Gore's blade. The all black. I don't know if you know this, but in the comics, Gore's sword is literally a symbiote. I think I did know that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I did know that. <laughs> I don't think they're going to adapt that in the MCU. I, I don't think they legally can. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Sony. Thanks yeah. so much for that. But I don't think it needs to be a symbiote, but um, it might be interesting if it has symbiote-like powers. They could retcon that in a Sony movie, I guess. It, it's just, it wasn't originally that. It was a retcon, as all things in the comics are. It's just crazy to me that in like two weeks we're getting a new Doctor Strange and directed by Sam Raimi talking about the multiverse. And in like three months, we're getting a new Thor movie that includes Gore the God Butcher, who's essentially Kratos <laughs> in a Taika Waititi movie. Like the MCU's tone is just, there is no specific tone anymore for, no. for MCU entries. Everything's <laughs> going to be different at this point. <laughs> Gore is Kratos, isn't he? If you think about it, he really is. Oh, very it, much. Kratos. He's very much Kratos. Huh? Which came first? I think Kratos did, Probably Kratos. I don't think Gore's really been around that long. I mean, when you think about it, the guy blames... Blames... uh, He doesn't believe in any gods because his wife and children died. Mm -hmm. I wonder what the, like, like, the event that we're going to explore that killed Gore's family is going to be. I've seen some people speculate that it's actually... um, like a planet that was populated and protected by Eternals. Which would be kind of interesting just to say, like, they don't care about us. They were only, like, buttering up our population and just to birth a new Celestial. Like, that's all. Like, gods only care about themselves. Yeah, that's... No, that's that's interesting because if that's the case, then we have... uh, I'm tying this back to everything, everywhere, all at once. We have Gore's nihilism Hmm. versus what could be considered uh, Thor's optimism if he's going on the soul-searching journey of uh, who who am I, who have I become? And it, it, you could you could really play up the whole like love and thunder ideas of of like love versus hate and love versus uh, mm-hmm. pessimism. Well, uh, thin, thin to that. I nature, think there's but. even even stronger parallel, like not parallel, but um, conflict between Gore and Jane. No, uh-huh. with her, like, you want to talk about, like, optimism. It's, like, <laughs> her as, if they go with the, you know, cancer story route, like, that's a a huge, like, slap in the face for everything Gore stands for and, like, trying to kill these gods because they're awful and terrible. But, like, here she is as, like, the goddess of thunder and, <laughs> like, look how <laughs> worthy, like, she is very worthy to wield Mjolnir, you know? Yeah. I just wonder, is Gore going to go after the Egyptian pantheon? I, I, you know, I had thought about that <laughs> um, as we were getting the the Inead, uh glorified cameo, the Council of the Egyptian Gods. I think that's probably a good segue to to get talking about Moon Knight. Yeah, um, because so we, we have... did spend a lot of time 
Thor Love and Thunder trailer, but boy, was it good. And it boy, was. am I glad we talked about it. So am I. I'm so excited. <laughs> yep. I it's going to be a good wait. time. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, so yeah, we're talking yeah. about uh, Moon Knight episodes three and four, uh, the friendly type and the tomb. Um, let's over- start with um. Let's start with episode three. Yeah. Overall, what are your thoughts? So I I liked episode three. I liked the um kind of Indiana Jones feel of. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess both these episodes kind of had that feel. You know, like stitched together, they would feel sort of like an Indiana Jones movie. Mm-hmm. But it um. I think the action was pretty good in this scene. Some of the the fight scenes with like the knife flip guy were a little ridiculous. <laughs> um, and I'm a little concerned with like the CGI in the series. Like it was a bit distracting for me at times. It's pretty wonky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's a little out there. And I I really want to know what's going on with the council, like what the Egyptian gods are trying to do, because I didn't fully buy that scene because like they they're they're having the trial Mm -hmm. of arthur harrow because conchu called them they literally summon harrow in and harrow's like no man i'm good i'm not doing (laughs) anything bad and they're like okay (laughs) that's it like like are they in cahoots with them are they trying to accomplish the same goals he is or did they literally just believe him because he said like they like they opened the portal to summon him in to summon harrow in mm-hmm. from the dig site of Amit's <laughs> tomb <laughs> like that's where he was and he i know says he was wandering through the desert and they just believe him <laughs> I, I don't know i i guess Something that, was that up scene there. was a little like we have to do this for plot reasons <laughs> like it, it didn't work um super well for me but it is it is interesting to see that all or a lot of the Inead has avatars mm-hmm. um so I, I think I think episode three set up some interesting things that they did deliver on um, fairly well in episode four. Well, what's what's interesting about this and tying it back to Love and Thunder for a second, the um, it's interesting to note that the Ennead uses avatars to communicate with each other and to like survive. Meanwhile, we know that the Greek pantheon and the Norse pantheon both exist in some form of reality, <laughs> reality mm-hmm. in this world. You know, they're not spirits they are actual in like organic individuals that can freely go about the universe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought that was a pretty interesting comparison that these might actually be gods in this universe. They're not just aliens. Yeah. And it, it's interesting to see exactly what the rules are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like we see Conchu. Well, Mark can see him, and only mm-hmm. apparently it looks like only your avatar can see you if mm-hmm. you're a god. Like, are they? Are we going to get the scientific explanation for them, or are they just going to strictly remain like, no, this is magic. They're, you know, multiversal, extra dimensional beings or something, right? Um, it seems like they are going the more magic based route, whereas mm-hmm. these are not aliens in the way that like you're saying with uh the greek pantheon and the norse pantheon well i mean which is interesting Conchu literally turns back time yeah I, I, for for this so i like i i i wouldn't be surprised if they're just sticking with the spiritual route on this one mm-hmm. i shouldn't say turns back time it turns back the sky thousands mm-hmm. of years 
in the blink of an eye. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're going with this spiritual and magical and mystical element. I mean, mm-hmm. we Doctor Strange exists, Wanda exists, like the mystical realm has been introduced in the MCU. This isn't really out of the ordinary. Now, granted, a giant, <laughs> a giant alien-like creature who claims himself to be a god just showed up on Earth's doorstep and like blew the almost blew the world up. So, like anything can happen in this universe. Now. Yeah, I, I guess I'm just wondering. Like, I don't buy that all of these gods would just sit by idle and just simply observe humanity. Like, what ties mm-hmm. do they have to the planet? Like, in this multiverse where we know there's all of these crazy forms of life out there um and maybe i'm just thinking too hard into it but like no i was actually thinking something similar we've seen that they are flawed beings Mm -hmm. like conchu is a very flawed character right (laughs) like they're not these just all-knowing everything they do is just and right beings Mm -hmm. like so to to think that they would all just sit back idly and i guess that's like conchu is the one that's rebelling we don't have a ton of insight into what the others actually are outside of their avatars. Um, but it, it's, it introduced a, a concept that I think we need more explanation on later in this series. And we're starting to run out of time, which is a little concerning. Um, but I mean, overall, I think this, this episode, just speaking strictly in episode three still was really carried by the strength of the characters um and the actors and i thought we got a lot more from um maya kalamawe as layla in this episode and i really like her character um she definitely was underserved in the first two where she got the spotlight here and and i liked it i think my my maybe problem with character dynamics in this is that i feel more chemistry between her and steven than her and mark yeah oh yeah (laughs) And I think maybe we're meant to feel that, but like I, I guess I didn't buy when they're together that they had been together and married for like fifteen years or whatever. Yeah, like they didn't seem to really mesh that well. Those two characters of Mark and Layla, like I feel like they are almost opposed naturally. So like to see them as having been married for fifteen years was a little difficult. Whereas her and Stephen, it was like almost like she was falling in love with Mark again, just watching Steven like bumble around because <laughs> he was like endearing. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree with you. I, I, I feel like we were supposed to, um, we were supposed to feel that way about mm-hmm. their, their chemistry and their relationship that it's kind of distant and cold. I mean, Mark wanted it to be that way. Mm-hmm. Or as we, as we come to find out, he was driving her away. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I I think that that's on purpose, and that Stephen finally has somebody in his life that like wants him to be around. So like he's obviously going to gravitate to that person a lot more than like even if it's just to achieve an objective of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, he like he is left alone his entire life <laughs> that we mm-hmm. know of. But to your point about the action in episode three, though, I I. The knife fight, yeah, was a little weird. The CGI overall was a little wonky. I really liked the the ending sequence though of of Conju uh, like turning back the sky and mm-hmm. everything's done very very long takes and like it, I I love I've noticed this more that anytime you see 
Oscar Isaac switching between Mark and Steven, it's always done in a long take with the other popping up in, in some sort of reflection right. or mirror. So that, I mean, you get in the headspace of, of either Mark or Steven talking to himself when, when nobody else around can, that I, I'm starting to think that that is like our visual representation of, of who he's talking to. So he's yeah. in reality, he's probably just talking to himself, but like, this is how we can see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It allows us to get that dynamics and that, you know, I don't want to jump into episode four too much, but no. we get payoff to that type yes. of dynamic and seeing them together in a reflection. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, what, um, you know, going through episode three, what are your thoughts on Ethan Hawke as Harrow? Still love him. <laughs> he I do too, man. Incredible. He is killing it. <laughs> there is just such a like quiet intensity to that character that is, oh, <laughs> it's chilling. <laughs> it's chilling. Especially that that final scene of episode three when he goes in and he knows he's alone with Conchu. Uh-huh. And just basically tells him off and like, you are the one that may be the way I am. Right. Like, I'm doing this for because of you. Like, ugh, just just so good. And I think so I think good. we kind of talked about that in our last episode where like where Arthur feels slighted for everything Conchu did to him. So this is why he's trying yeah. to resurrect Ahmed. Um, but I, I do wonder. And I, I was wondering that, too, back, way back to your point about the other any ad being in on it like they almost have to be if they're pissed at conju for some reason mm-hmm. they want to resurrect ahmed and i either they don't know or they probably know what the what the what the uh repercussions of doing such a thing would be but they probably don't it's possible they don't care at this point yeah and it could be more of just them wanting to shut up conju yeah <laughs> anything like they may not, they may not care what Harrow's going to do. Like they may not like actively support it, but they might just want to find an excuse to imprison Conchu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that that could definitely that could definitely be the case. And I mean, we see something is going on in at the start of episode four. Right. I still have some things to say about three, but like at the start yeah. of episode four, they zoom out and there are literally like what fifteen or so Egyptian gods. Yeah, like imprisoned in those same little statues. So right, they're clearly like knocking them out one by one for some reason or another. Um, and it's almost like these are the ones that want to resurrect Ahmed. Mm-hmm. We did get our we did get our first MCU connection in in episode three though. Oh yeah did did you pick up on it? I I heard about one, but I didn't pick up on it directly. I don't think. So I I heard it right away when uh, when Layla finds well Stephen in uh, oh no it was Mark at that point when they find each other in Egypt they go to see Anton and like as oh, they're walking into Anton's pal- palace they go oh yeah that thing back to Madripoor like oh okay the, yeah. so Madripoor does have some some significance in this universe. Could that be a way of reminding us that Sharon Carter exists and could Sharon Carter show up? Oh here? Jesus! Oh no! Please don't let that happen. Anyways, that that actually isn't the the connection that I was going to say. No, um, I forgot about that one to be honest. Um, so in the the rooftop fight scene. Um, the young kid that's a part of the the gang that's fighting Mark, mm-hmm. he's wearing like a jean jacket. Mm-hmm. On the back, there is a like graffiti art of a pharaoh, mm-hmm. 
and uh this is like a confirmed easter egg new rock stars who do like deep deep <laughs> easter egg dives it's amazing they, their dives they that noticed it they reached out to contacts they have in marvel that worked on the show <laughs> and the, they confirmed with them that the the painting the graffiti painting on the back of the guy's jacket is pharaoh rama tut which is one of kang's personas throughout time like he, <laughs> he was the pharaoh rama tut that's incredible. The, the headpiece is like a one-for-one one match from the comics. Now, I don't know if that means that's eventually something they're going to adapt in the MCU. It could but be. But it is something they, they threw in there. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really fun Easter egg. I, did, I, uh-huh. I never would have thought. That's incredible. Yes. It's so cool. <laughs> it's so cool. And I, I almost was wondering if they were going to like reveal that. Like There was a point in episode four when they're opening a sarcophagus. And I thought, oh, yeah. I was like, what if no. it's just Jonathan Majors? No, I, I never would have thought that in a million years. But, oh, yeah. my God. Anyways, that, been, um, that was, I, that I, was I probably my favorite Easter egg in the show so far. I probably would have turned it off if that were the case. <laughs> <laughs> Show's ruined. We don't, I don't want this anymore. <laughs> um, no, that is a fun Easter egg. I didn't, I didn't, I never would have picked up on that. That's good. Th- their deep dives are insane. I don't. Oh, they're. They're just unbelievable. I don't, know. I don't understand how I they mean, catch up the stuff half they of the do. Th- it, I like them because their theories, they know when they're ridiculous and they're stupid yeah. and they call them out. Mm-hmm. Like they're not, they just do it for fun, right? But like yeah. they, they will literally circle like, like dirt on someone's fingernails and like connect that <laughs> back to like a movie that was like two decades ago. Like, you know, like <laughs> it's wild. It they're, is. they're awesome though. They're so entertaining to watch. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyways, the what about the um, seemingly third persona we got teased in the in the third episode? I know, right? And I mean, you called it when we were talking about the first two episodes mm-hmm. that there might be a third one, and I I think it's pretty much all but confirmed that there's a third persona yeah, we're not aware of for sure. Yeah, and when we get into the fourth episode again, it's pretty much confirmed. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, which one do you think it is? I don't know. I think they'll use the name Jake Lockley, but I almost wonder, and my, this would be the, the most interesting route I think they could go. So one of, um, the, one of the primary like members of the Moon Knight rogues gallery, um, is black specter. And he's like a, a kind of an evil, um almost like the the opposite moon knight right like mm-hmm. he's the, the yellow jacket to the ant-man uh-huh. i don't know why i pulled ant-man for that there, <laughs> were, like a, there were like a billion comparisons <laughs> i i i don't know why i don't know how i reached in there I don't even remember the name of the character that's not the super heroic name. I know it's Corey Stoll, but I what what's his name? Darren Cross. Darren Cross. I don't know how I pulled it out of Darren Cross there, but I did. That's um, incredible. That's what it's like, you know, it's the Darren Cross. But what what if what if they adapt that and take they'll make it so that this more brutal mercenary persona with the nickname Black Spectre is the third persona of Mark Spectre. That's possible. I mean, 
he, this this new persona seems even deadlier than Mark. Yeah, that's what he makes literally me kills like, people. Mm-hmm. Like the the other third like normal person persona that is within Mark is Jake Lockley in the comics, but he's just like a cab driver. And yeah. I mean, Stephen Grant is a billionaire in the comics, so it doesn't they don't map one to one. No. It could just go by the name Jake and just be a more brutal version of them both, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I think it might be interesting if he like is his own worst enemy, and his car is in the front yard and sleeping with his clothes on. <laughs> he came in through the window last night. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you're gone. Man, this this show just got lit all of a sudden. Anyway, I know I we're into myself the, out. Uh, <laughs> don't worry, folks. Darren Cross is. We're into the lit. This is. <laughs> we'll be here all week. Don't don't mind we'll us. Tip your waiters. Tip your waitresses. <laughs> we'll be here all week. <laughs> so, anyways, um, that's my like wild prediction. I think the most likely thing is it's just a third person that's more brutal than them both. But they they're teasing it really hard. <laughs> Yeah, so overall, I, I liked everything about this episode. I liked the the action in the in the uh, rink or in the horse. Um, yeah, in the ter- I don't know what you would call that the horse rink or the, uh, the carousel or I, I forget what the name jousting of that ring. Time. The jousting ring, yeah. <laughs> I, I really liked. Uh, <laughs> I wish it was on a carousel. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Um, I really liked Gaspard Uwe uh, in this as Anton. I mean, mm-hmm. they dedicated the episode to him because he died back in January of this year in a in a skiing accident so i mean we won't be seeing him we might he might pop up back in the show but we won't be seeing him anymore in the mcu mm-hmm. after this um i'm curious if he was just more of a dealer or if he actually will have a bigger role to play in the rest of the show yeah i mean we saw i mean i i wouldn't be surprised if there are ties between him and the um power, power broker, broker almost as a shadow broker i'm thinking mm-hmm. mass effect but um, the power broker, because, I mean, they both were art dealers, mm-hmm. you know, and it almost seemed like the when they were heading towards Cairo um, on the boat, they showed like the cityscape and it almost looked like Madripoor. Like, it was very similar. Um, I had kind of did to, to some of those shots. Um, I thought it was cool in general just seeing Cairo as they portrayed it here. You know, like anytime that films go to Egypt, <laughs> it's always like just the desert, the pyramids. Yeah. You know, so seeing like the actual you know, city, Cairo, the actual city of Cairo, I thought was refreshing. And seeing the um, uh, seeing that party on the on the boat with them, like mm-hmm. it, it again. Like we said this last time, but like this show just feels refreshing overall, and like it's mm-hmm. little things like that that make it feel refreshing. It doesn't feel like an yeah. empty city where you don't know people. Like this, this feels like a lived-in version of Cairo. Mm-hmm. It's not like it New does. York City where you just see faceless bodies in the background like these people feel real mm-hmm. and i i think anton was a cool character i liked the joust setting i thought that was a cool i mean you knew when they pulled up to that establishment and saw a big jousting ring that that's where there was going to be a fight scene like right. because why not right um, why would you why would you put that there if you're not going to have a fight in it <laughs> but the scene was cool it was brutal seeing Moon Knight and and Mister Knight at one point getting stabbed by the <laughs> the javelins and spears or whatever they were using and just going right through him. And I liked uh, 
I liked Steven taking over and trying to like calm everybody down and then getting stabbed and immediately <laughs> just turning back over to Mark. <laughs> I'll tell you though, this this show is br- for a Disney Plus show is brutal. Yeah, it is brutal. Like with Steven getting stabbed like through the like, like through the side. Yeah. And, and it coming out his back. I'm like this is like I never expected this on Disney Plus. <laughs> Granted, we just got the Netflix shows to pop up there, but I expected that from those. Mm-hmm. This, on the other hand, I like, geez, <laughs> it's dark. It's, it, is. it is. And I mean, they get some serious horror elements in episode four, too. Yeah, which we'll get to. But uh, yeah, that's it was a brutal fight scene. I mean, for as brutal of a fight scene as we've seen from like a caped and costumed hero in in the MCU so far. Um, but I mean, I loved it. That's why it feels so fresh. And the costumes are just, again, I, I'll say this every episode, but they're just top tier. Yeah. <laughs> they are so good, both of them. Uh, I just, yeah, I could watch I could watch those fights all day. And when he when he glides through the air and the cape makes the crescent moon shape, <laughs> just perfect. <laughs> this is, uh, the episode three is also where we get first hints about um, Mark's involvement in Layla's father's death too from Harrow, right. which sets the stage for that conversation later in episode four right um i think i've i think i've pretty much said my piece with episode three um i think it was it was good not the best of the four so far i don't think um but still a very very solid very solid episode a good good little uh kind of straightforward adventure romp feel to that one yeah, and I mean, four kind of lends its hand even more to the Indiana Jones element. Of, oh yeah, and even Tomb Raider, if you really want to go there, <laughs> um, of literally raiding a pyramid. So, um, and I, I have some thoughts overall on the show, but I want to cover episode four first. Um, so yeah, this one, like I, part of me started to get a little bored toward the first, like third of it and then like as they went further into the tomb it started to pick up for me um there's a lot there's a lot of exposition in this one that felt unnecessary but then looking back on it it kind of was necessary Mm -hmm. um a lot of the stuff between steven and layla i wasn't really fond of until like you start to see or you start to get their relationship built up toward the end yeah i think that's fair um it it was definitely you know, you had the quick action scene at the beginning after um, Conchu turned the sky back and they mm-hmm. you know, found out where the tomb is. But after that, there was a bit of a slowdown and some quieter moments between Layla and Steven and Mark and Steven mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that, you know, you could really sense there's a lot of a lot of tension there. That's like just about to bubble to the surface between Layla and Mark. Right. It's been like kind of festering. And Steven's um, trying to get in the middle of. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um but yeah, this one did have a a big Indiana Jones, specifically like Temple of Doom type feel to it. Right. Um especially with the like creatures or people, whatever they were that we see later. Um but it really picked up at that sacrificial table, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And that, that's uh, where, like, we real—I mean, that was the first like actual horror scene I think in the MCU so far. Like, it just played exactly like something you would see in a horror movie with the body getting drugged in. Like, that was brutal. Yeah. Like one of Harrow Harrow's goons, like 
this creature literally dragged him in. Like, we plopped him up on the table and then just drained his organs out. Mm-hmm. And we still don't know, like, what that is or what's going on with those with those creatures. There's, nope. there's no context to... No. Either why Arthur has control over some of these, like the jackal, or... Um, or like why these creatures start showing up. Um, it, it does lend a lot of mystery that I hope I'm assuming will get resolved in five or even six. Do you think, do you think they're just like, they're protecting the tomb or do you think that they're summoned by Arthur? Cause I had assumed they were there protecting could... it, but now that's an interesting thought because the, I would assumed it's one of Arthur's goons that gets pulled to the table, but we don't know why. Well, if I would have to assume that's the case, then that they were kind of summoned there to protect the tomb. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we come to find out that it's the tomb of Alexander the Great that they're right. looking for, um, and I have to imagine that since spirits and mysticism it actually exist in this universe, that when the Egyptians built the pyramids, they like summoned some sort of curse to watch over this tomb. Mm-hmm. So and and that um they didn't want Ahmed to be released at all. So um they did they took every precaution necessary to to protect that sarcophagus of Alexander right. Great. Yeah, and that was that was an interesting twist, um, sort of that I didn't I didn't really see coming. Um, that it was Alexander the Great. Again, that's where like I had thought because of the <laughs> new rock stars thing that it would be Ramatut. <laughs> Even if it was deceased one, that kind of might have been interesting. But um, yeah, I, I think I would assume they're there to protect Amit, but I don't know why they'd be attacking Harrow if Harrow wants to unleash Amit. But maybe they're just mindless. But I don't know. Maybe we'll get some explanation. Yeah, there's there's a lot of unanswered questions there that uh, that need some sort of definition mm-hmm. or explanation um yep. i, I what would you what i guess we can jump to that to that sarcophagus scene like what do you think of of steven being able to open this tomb on his own all of a sudden <laughs> you know just one guy being able to push open a, a centuries-old tomb sarcophagus yeah, without conchu <laughs> without conchu <laughs> Or even yeah, Mark. <laughs> I guess that's true. I didn't think about that, but and, and like yeah, be, and like true. having to oh oh jeez oh, like having to st- stick an arm down his uh down this body's throat to get yeah. the what what is it they were looking for again? It was the statue of Amit, same as okay. Conchu, like the yeah. imprisoned. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, they obviously somebody wanted this thing buried. And when mm-hmm. Stephen realizes that, oh, it's probably somewhere where no tomb robber would actually, no grave robber would actually look, and realize they'd like break Alexander the Great's jaw to get down in, like that actually like creeped me out a lot. Yeah, of it was to, like, dark. Ugh. It was very dark. Like I back when when was that? Like a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, when that mummy's exhibit was at the science center. I went to mm-hmm. it. That was that was interesting, but like. Disturbing. Oh, just, yeah, just thinking about how old something like that is, like centuries. Yeah. This guy, this random guy, just shoving his hand down it. Ugh, and I guess I did not really understand lot. like Stephen's motivations here either. Like, sh- aren't they just trying to stop Harrow? 
I think. Like, what, wouldn't you think to just kind of post up and ambush him? <laughs> you know, like when he inevitably gets there instead of like finding the exact thing that he wants and holding it up in the air only to get shot and have it <laughs> stolen from you. Like, it, it just didn't. I, I guess Steven's like kind of like an oaf and very curious. And I think that's all that's driving him is his curiosity. The, I think Mark a... was yelling at him not to do it anyways, too, actually. Yeah, because this is like a passion and an obsession for him. He, yeah, he gets to actually do what he loves, not just working mm-hmm. at a gift shop. And the fact that he gets to, to take on, on this adventure that he's leading him, he believes he's leading himself mm-hmm. without knowing what the consequence of it might be or how large a conspiracy like this goes. If it yeah. if it goes all the way up to the Ennead of. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, so before we get to the next part, which I know we have to get to. Yeah, I do want to rewind for a second and go back yeah. to. Um, there between those two scenes we were just talking about, there is a a scene, um, another kind of like horror tropey scene with Layla crossing that cavern mm-hmm. gap, and that was that was pretty crazy how she got pulled back into the shadows and right. It just went silent for like a second or two before she jumped back out, and it was that was a really well done scene. I thought it was, um, but then there's the really important character scene between her and Harrow. Mm-hmm. where he kind of alludes to Mark being involved in her father's death again, and he gets her, you know, has her talking and convinces her to talk to Mark. Um, but this this scene's pretty interesting. I read an article about this either today or yesterday. The days run together. Yeah, what is time anymore? She, she had apparently messaged Ethan Hawke, um, she being Maya Kalamoy, and Kalamawi, sorry. Um, she had me- messaged Ethan Hawke saying, hey, it'd be cool if our characters had a scene together. And the next day she showed up on set and he wrote that whole scene for them. <laughs> like Ethan Hawke himself. <laughs> like that rules. It does. And it like it was such a natural fit in the story, too. So, yeah, I like to, I like how Hawk. I like how much of Harrow we're getting in this. It's like every chance yeah. that they have to throw him in, they do. And it's not it's not just, oh, we got Ethan Hawke for a couple episodes. It's like he is showing up in every other yeah, scene and he's it, it's really effective because he feels like a ghost like he's haunting yeah. mark like he, it, literally like he shows up the, for the first time in the the alps or wherever that town was mm-hmm. then mark goes back home harrow's there mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, he's just he's just everywhere so it's pretty it's he feels imposing because he's just showing up everywhere mark is even when they go to cairo and Don, when they're at anton's place there's harrow he shows up like just shows up it, yeah like he knows just, exactly where to be at the right times right at the wrong mm-hmm. times if you really think about it yep so i think now's the time when we need to talk about the last like 15 minutes of the episode right um what were your what was your immediate reaction after mark gets shot <laughs> and we it was cut steven to, that got shot <laughs> it was steven we cut to steven grant <laughs> yeah on uh vhs 480p like <laughs> <laughs> almost like an indiana jones knockoff yeah of, like uh of it like reminded a, me of a doctor who episode is what it reminded me of like the quality of an early yeah doctor kind who of episode. <laughs> like so campy and just low budget like what, what were you thinking when that happened well even even when that happened i th- 
I don't know. I must have had a, like a, a blip myself for a second because I thought, Stephen Grant, why does that name sound familiar? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> then I realized, oh, wait a second. That's who we're talking about here. But then but then I realized that um, this is – my initial thought was – well, I guess, I guess I'll just start into it. My initial thought was, okay, he's in a mental institution. This all made sense now. Like uh-huh. – it's like he's been dreaming this entire thing, everything from the gif shot up, up until he gets shot by Harrow. Um, Mark doesn't truly exist. Like we see a reflection and it's actually Steve mm-hmm. in the reflection. He's holding a little action figure that is Moon Knight or that is the uh, what's the suit name that um, Conju calls Knight. it? No, not not Mr. Knight, but the the one that Mark wears. Oh, um. I can't remember I can't the name remember. of the suit, but it's it's that suit he's he's holding an action figure of. Layla is a patient in the in the ward as well. Like, mm-hmm. like they really played it up to the make first, you. Okay, the bingo caller. I I caught this. The bingo caller uh-huh. is actually that um, living statue guy that Mark talked to in the first two episodes. Really? Yeah, I caught it because he looks like Willie Nelson. I think. <laughs> okay that's that's a way to look at watch it. it i haven't seen that anywhere but i i definitely caught it because of his looks <laughs> yeah so they they all the little de- all these little details that they've dropped throughout the show yes. that they, they start popping up all of a sudden in this ward you're like okay this this does actually make sense and now and now you're in the mindset of steven again of like yeah did everything i imagine or did everything that just happened was that imagined or is that actually happening right because there really is no promotional material past those first two episodes. So we don't know what's going to happen at this point. Right. For all we know, it probably isn't going to happen, but for all we know, Stephen or Mark dies at the end of this show. Yeah. You know, could be. Like, yep. It, that could very well be the case. I doubt it, but it's not out of the realm of possibility now. But I, like, I started thinking like, oh, okay, so this has all made sense. But does it? And then once he was able to get out and like start running through the hallways and Mark shows up, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a second. Is this a vision? And if that's the case, like, are they both dead? Because was that a, or was that a real bullet that Harrow used? Mm-hmm. And are they both dead or is this like some progression into an afterlife? Uh, and this is kind of like a purgatory that they're stuck in that is just happens to be a a a. a a, an institution or like a, mm-hmm. a home for those with uh, mental and intellectual disabilities. Um, and then all of a sudden we get um, at, at the very end, we get tower it show up out of nowhere. Just be like, Oh, Hey guys, how, how's it going? The, the yeah, I'm like, Egyptian girl. I was like, <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> and then they just cut to the end of the episode. That's it. Yeah. Uh huh. So that was, uh, that was quite the ending. I'm very curious to see where they go from here. Um, <laughs> I didn't expect to go on this like mystical Egyptian journey here that it seems like we're going to through like the Egyptian afterlife, I would assume. Um, but it seems like they're on a ship of some sort, right? I think. Did you get that sense? Like when there, there was one point where he's running through the hallways and the lights like kind of swung to the side, like well, and the no, camera just, tilted too, like as if you're like on a boat. Well, I know I I or pictured or something. I pictured that as the um as just like 
that's his worldview. Like everything is literally just like, turning and like literally nothing made sense at all. I thought and so too, this... but I also saw like objects were moving with the camera, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Um, we also see in the same way that Mark freed Steven, we see a third sarcophagus that's like right. really fighting to try and get out that they yeah. just run past. So that's um, that's what I was saying before. That, that pretty much confirms a third persona of some oh, yeah. caliber. Um, but like, I just kept thinking, are we being gaslit for this entire show? I don't, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what to think anymore. guys. Yeah. I mean, I I think it, I think it all happened. I think he's in like whatever form of the afterlife is. I mean, he already said that he died once pretty much. Right. Yeah. Like, so I think we'll probably go like in the next episode through some like flashbacks as Mark like recounts parts of his life. And that's mm. where they're going to fit, like, as part of this afterlife thing. And they're going to fill in some of the gaps in the history of Mark that we mm-hmm. have. Um, but from there, I, I mean. I, I don't even know where to begin to to start, or how to predict where this is going to go. I will say, if I did speak about the, the show overall for a second, I, I mm. absolutely love this. And I think we say this pretty much every time, but this is probably the, the best MCU, or best Disney Plus MCU entry yet. Um, my biggest criticism, think so? I, I think so. Like, I think this is better than Loki right now. Oh wow! Um, okay. And I mean, that's saying a lot. But uh, there's still two episodes to go. But I think my biggest criticism of this is I've seen people say this should have been a movie. This should have been Moon Knight should have been its own standalone movie. I kind of disagree. It. I feel like it. It still should have been roughly six hours, but have it be like a three episode miniseries or limited series like the seasons of Sherlock mm. were, where each episode was maybe an hour and a half to two hours. So you're telling an, a complete limited series. Um, you're telling a complete series in like a limited fashion, but you can tell pretty much three three main or you can split it up by three main settings we don't know where five and six are going but the first two are set in europe london specifically in the alps second two are set in egypt and the third two would be set i, I think we can predict that it'd be in the afterlife mm-hmm. of, of some sort and them coming back to earth or at least how that would work or at least how that or how they would come back um i think Personally, that's where the sh- where the show should have gone. Just made it three weeks. Each episode is like an hour and a half to two hours. Um, yeah, because I think that's where I started to lose a little bit of interest in this. Was between three and four was I loved where three left off with Harrow like talking to Kanju in the statue, and then we have to wait a whole other week to find out what happens next. Yeah, like there there's all this momentum driving, and then j- it just cuts itself off. Yeah, I think where it, that's, it's turned. I think that's where it's easy to say that like something should have been a movie is you can clearly tell. I, I think they're still kind of working out how they adapt these things for mm-hmm. six episodes, and I'm I'm really worried that they're kind of pigeonhole pigeonholing themselves into six episodes. <laughs> like I think yeah. they need to be more creative with the format. I think you need some series might deserve eight episodes, some series. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did that with WandaVision, but since then it's been like very strict for better or for worse, six mm-hmm. episodes. Like, I think, I think some are going to work better, um, you know, as a 
three-part miniseries. Like this. Um, like this, yeah. I would agree with you on that. I think I think there definitely is a loss of momentum unnecessarily between some of these And episodes. I think that... I think that's why it took me a while to get back into this episode was there was so much momentum built up and then it, it, it kind of picked up again and then dropped off immediately. Yeah, I feel you. That's actually, um, that's actually a really good point. And I think part of that's editing too, right? Like there probably, there might be a better way you can edit between those episodes and cut at a better time so that it's not as jarring. Yeah. Um, but I guess I will give them credit because I know that with, um, She-Hulk, I think it's going to be a, 10 part half hour series or something mm-hmm. um so i mean they are playing with the format and you know maybe we'll see them adapt it and, and do something um like what well, you're suggesting but i i think i think the pacing is probably one of the biggest issues with this show um mm-hmm. and i i still i don't know if i can really feel like i'm getting a good sense of who either mark or steven is and i think that's the point but like it's always the the problem with like identity crisis stories mm-hmm. and i know this is like an actual disorder that that mark has and you can't like undercut that just for the sake of storytelling right mm-hmm. but like i also feel like we don't if mark is the primary persona here like, I feel like we don't know enough about him right now to really have a connection with him outside of he was a mercenary. And I think we'll maybe get that in the next episode. And that's what I'm hoping for. Like, and I the, think that's the stuff I like from Marvel the most is always the character work. And that's yeah. the stuff that, like, you know, really has the most payoff for the most part um, in these series. So, And I think that's where the Netflix shows. I mean, this show is getting compared to the Netflix ones quite a bit for how brutal it it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And even some of the character work in it. But I think that's where the Netflix shows really faltered was because Netflix and ABC really stuck and pigeonholed everybody into this 10 or 13 episode structure. The whole show had to be 13 hours long or 10 hours long in the later seasons that it really, I really had no desire to go back to a lot of those. Still trying to motivate myself to watch Daredevil season three, but that's a, mm-hmm. that's a whole different story. Um, and because of that, we didn't get a lot of character work in those shows until like episodes eight, nine, ten, and then mm-hmm. the last two or three were just like all plot then. Mm-hmm. And everything else leading up to that point was, oh, no, no we way. can't tell you that yet. No, we can't reveal that yet. And they mm-hmm. literally say that in the show of like, oh, no, don't worry about that. We'll, we'll address it. We'll, we'll talk to you later about it. Or like, yeah, I don't have time to talk about it now. Mm-hmm. Like, just just out with it. Tell us and, mm-hmm. and just get the story moving. Get the character development moving. Because what's the point then? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. At least this. Yeah, we're getting bits and pieces of Mark's backstory, but we're also still seeing everything from Steven's point of view. So there are going to be gaps that are that aren't filled in yet that are probably going to be in the next two weeks. Yeah, and I guess like I'm not entirely clear, and I don't feel like we're really seeing it from either point of view in the middle two episodes. Right, mm-hmm. first two was very clearly Steven. Mm-hmm. The second two, it almost felt like we got a little more of Mark than Steven, to me at least. I mean, we, uh, we got I guess more the fourth of, episode, not so much, but I mean, we got more of Mark as a as just a person showing up for the plot. Mm-hmm. But I I think we're still seeing everything through Steven's point of view. 
Mm-hmm. Because he's the one that starts to have feelings for Layla. He's the one that wants to keep her around, even though Mark doesn't want her there. Um, And he's kind of doing his own thing, even though Mark warns him constantly not to. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, that's 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 a pretty good point. I guess like I, I just struggled to say that I was feeling like we were having a, a defined perspective. Mm-hmm. throughout these last couple but i mean overall i'm really <clears throat> i'm really digging the show um mm-hmm. i don't think it's done enough to for me to call it my favorite yet um i'm still kind of fighting in, internally about where i might end up <laughs> ranking this and it's going to depend heavily on the, the yeah. last two episodes but i mean i'm i'm enjoying it i think it's a a solid like origin disney plus series and that's something mm-hmm. we haven't gotten so far right like we've every other disney plus series so far has been with established characters for live action right and this is their first kind of foray at telling something like an origin story through this medium and right. i think i think it's successful so far and it, it makes me excited to see you know the other origins we're going to get this year in miss marvel and she hulk too right because i think i think they they're really comfortable just doing really hard tonal shifts between properties. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, we're, we were, we're just seeing talking that about now. That with... Yeah, exactly. And we're seeing that now more than ever in phase four. I mean, it, everything in the MCU up until like guardians felt like pretty samey in terms mm-hmm. of tone and what they were going for. And I think that really opened the door for what's possible. And this seems to, and, I think Multiverse of Madness are probably going to open the door more to some darker, more horror type elements. So I'm um, I'm stoked about what the the future of this character could be. And I know Oscar Isaac isn't signed for longer than this series right now, but mm-hmm. you know you you can see a future for Moon Knight in the MCU. And I'm happy happy for that. Yeah, I am too, and I'm 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 really excited to see where the rest of the show goes. Um, I'm absolutely stoked for, um, what this character can bring to the rest of the MCU. I, I'm, I, I, I talked about this before, but I'm not a hundred percent certain that something like this would mesh well with say Thor, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. because of those tonal inconsistencies. And it seems like I'm going to take a step even farther back for, for a second, um, it seems like Marvel and DC are both headed toward this trajectory of let's just let Marvel is building out this larger universe, but let's let creators do their own thing within that universe and put their own visions out there um, within our san- in mm-hmm. our own sandbox. DC, um, which I mean, the the HBO or I'm sorry, the Warner Media and Discovery media merger just officially happened and now the i'm still trying to understand who's who at those places but the (laughs) the ceo discovery apparently wants to essentially scrap the snyder verse and have a a quote feige-esque figure at the helm of dc films dc movies feige but no one can get a feige no absolutely only one feige like there really is um 
but like to have this they shared universe. Do, they can't even get a, Disney can't even get a second Feige for Star Wars. So no, as much as they tried with Kathleen Kennedy, but yeah, it and even Favreau, but it, they they're not even doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they apparently want DC wants more movies in the vein of say Joker or the Batman. So something a little more, a uh, little more in the vein of their comics and their history. Marvel has always been known for having this shared universe. DC mm-hmm. always did too, but they did. They had the Crisis on Infinite Earth run back in the eighties that essentially blew that up and blew it apart. And mm-hmm. now every artist has their own take on on different characters. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, there was that one um, run of the Flash where he went to Hawaii and got really drunk and got arrested twice in two weeks. <laughs> I really liked that run. I loved that run. It was my favorite one. I don't even know what to say about that. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get my shots in there. Um, I, I, I was driving, and my wife was like, who is Ezra Miller? Because she doesn't really follow the industry or anything. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he's like this actor that plays The Flash and stuff. She was like, oh, he was arrested in Hawaii. And I was like, again? Because <laughs> I yeah, was like, they... are you looking at an old article? When was that posted? She was like, today. I'm like, oh, my God. That yeah, they got menace. arrested again. What was it? like? They, what was it? Two, twice in two weeks? Twice in three weeks? Something along that? I don't know. Yeah. I'm word of the it wise like deja vu I was never like, go to... imagine the first arrest like what... <laughs> never never go to hawaii with ezra miller <laughs> lesson <No>. learned <laughs> anyway. never enter the speed force twice never enter <laughs> we have not been the same since we entered the speed force you see what happens nope. guys the oscars blew up blew everything up by having when a fan... flash enters the speed force <laughs> all of hawaii is in danger when the oscars allowed a fan vote and they put <laughs> put in the flash enters the speed force as the quote most cheerworthy moment in cinematic history we I love it man. the world has not been the same since oh man i was hooting and hollering when i saw that <laughs> since then we have not left the speed force as Let's i just watched be it on my laptop on in hbo max <laughs> and on a cold january morning or whatever it was. uh <laughs> Never underestimate the power yeah, of that Snyder, Snyder cut fans. never went to the theaters. No, it didn't. Right? But it didn't. It was okay. went straight to HBO Max. Everyone cheering alone in their living rooms. That's what... <laughs> oh. But it was... What a joke. <laughs> we just acknowledge the, the moments in that were... I don't even remember. Oh, it was bullet time from the Matrix. From the first Matrix. It was Avengers Assembled from Endgame. It was a moment from Dreamgirls. <laughs> <laughs> it was the three Spider-Men on the Statue of Liberty in No Way Home. And it was the Flash Haters, the Speed Force. I, I don't understand that. I'll what, about, m- what about Shrek kicks open the door to the outhouse at the beginning? Why of the wasn't that on there? Why was that in there, guys? We all cheered. We, we failed. The dripped down his naked back. <laughs> <laughs> we failed as a society that Zack Snyder got more credit than Shrek did at at this year's Oscars. But anyway, um, as I was saying, uh, it seems like both companies and both studios are starting to lean into this idea of let's just let creators do their thing. Um, Marvel is going to be a little more stringent about their rules being they're building out a shared universe in DC. We're just going to like silo each of these properties and entries off into their own thing. And I'm completely fine with that. I mean, the Batman is one of my favorite things I've seen this year. 
And I have a feeling that Multiverse of Madness and Love and Thunder are also going to be two of my favorite things this year. They were all three of them were on my most anticipated of the year. Yeah, it's the way to do it if you're not going to be able to do that type of oversight with the universe, right? Right. Like, they could do a Justice League movie and just build a new Justice League that fits the story that they want to tell, not be beholden to bringing this actor or that actor in, just pick the right cast for the story they want to tell mm-hmm. and tell a cool, good Justice League movie. Which and is how comics about work. Needs to go. And maybe you could do sequels to that. Maybe you could do spinoffs of those individual characters if you want, but like mm-hmm. that it that's the way to do it like give us like a golden age like positive colorful justice league movie like that's what i want (laughs) but then you have sony coming in here throwing out morbius and yeah uh, making jared leto be a part of everybody's lives again for yeah we didn't for a few uh, weeks morbius i haven't talked about it on the show i I, haven't seen it i haven't seen it yet either i have i will at one point we will talk about it but i don't have a Strong desire to run up to the theaters to see that one. I'll tell you, Ab- absolutely not. I guess I guess the post credit scenes are the only things we could <laughs> really talk about. <laughs> Just that's yeah, been we'll leaked. Cover, we'll cover that one day. Oh, maybe we should do that for April Fool's Day next year. <laughs> yeah, it'll just be like a an hour and a half of like a toilet flushing, maybe. <laughs> if you here's our have, Morbius episode. <laughs> <laughs> have Have you been to see the doctor lately, sir? <laughs> the good old doctor michael morbius oh i don't i don't understand what sony's doing because oh. you have dc building their own cinematic universe you have marvel building theirs and then sony sony's just kind of like it, it's almost like uh patrick with the nail in his head and and <laughs> the hammer in his hand <laughs> yeah we speaking of dc though i feel like we have to do like a a peacemaker review episode at some point too because i just adored that show yes it's so good isn't it give me the gun gun verse in the dc that's what did I you want. did you see i sent you the tweet of of gun uh somebody photoshopped uh, when when the the mighty thor image of, of jane came out uh, somebody tweeted a photo of it, and then somebody responded. Somebody should put the peacemaker helmet on her. And somebody <laughs> photoshopped it on her, and then, and then Gunn responded, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> it, it, I thought it was real for a moment, but like I'd missed something. <laughs> it looked so good and so real. <laughs> yeah, I genuinely thought we were getting some weird crossover that we did. It's I one day, just one day, I need a Marvel versus DC movie. Like oh. Yes. One day we have to do it, right? And is Christian Bale going to be both Gore and Batman? <laughs> we can only hope. Can only <laughs> hope. Is Russell Crowe going to be both Zeus and uh, Jor-El? <laughs> we could do this all day. Does Ezra Miller punch people in Hawaii in both universes? <laughs> <laughs> You're never going to let that up, are you? It's just funny that it happened twice in like three weeks. You know, I, he's a menace to society. I know. <laughs> I know people. The Daily that worked, Bugle needs to be down there taking pictures of him. <laughs> I know people that worked on the Perks of Being a Wallflower. I'm curious what they thought of working with them. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, I remember out. a couple years ago when he choke slammed that fan. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, that was a weird that time. Kind of blew. No one's. We all stopped talking about that for a while until he started knocking people out. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was Again, a real weird time, and now that the was Flash a very movie. Strange, uh, <laughs> that was a strange time there. 
Yeah, well, speaking of strange times, in the next few weeks, we got Doctor Strange and the Sindelverse of Sadness coming out. Uh, it's going to be gonna be a weird time over the next few weeks. Sindelverse of Sadness? I am stoked. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I mispronounced the title. It's Doctor Weird and the Sindelverse of Sadness. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we're going to be doing a preview of that in the next few weeks. I'm stoked to talk about that. Oh, I'm... I can't wait <laughs> to see it. I can't wait to talk about it. That that might just be like a four hour podcast. If I'm being <laughs> I'm, honest, we better start I'm, early. I might invite Vinny back for that one. Yeah, you said that'd be he's, fun. Just he's really excited for it. He's excited for the Raimi of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing. Oh, I forgot to send this to you. That um, going back to Thor for a moment. Um, <laughs> I saw that Keith David wants to do Beta Ray Bill. Yep. Keith David wants to be Beta okay. Ray Bill, and I I I immediately said I don't want anyone else. He he wants to do it. Let him. He's a living legend. I don't mm-hmm. care. Just mm-hmm. let him. I want Spawn mm-hmm. as Beta Ray Bill now. That there's nothing else I want in this world. He wants to do it. Let him do it. Yep. Taika, Sounds good to me. I'm on. Taika, I'm on. hire us as white as writers and agents. We will we will gladly get this work done. <laughs> yeah, that's that's something I didn't know I needed until now, but I need it. Yep. I need Beta Ray Bill in the MCU in general. Yeah. <laughs> oh but uh, speaking of thor for a second i know we're like you know an hour and a half past that now <laughs> but did you see in the the episode that looks like the, the piece that looks like it's from a training montage where he's whipping the chains he has a little the hat on the trucker hat on <laughs> yeah did you see what it says no <laughs> it says okay so i was trying to read it, it looks but... like the hat originally said mighty the mighty avengers or something uh-huh. or mightiest avengers but he like taped over the mightiest part and it just says strongest (laughs) and then he like scribbled out the s on avengers with like a sharp that says strongest avenger perfect i i I don't want to i mean there's gonna be there's gonna be like an actual 80s training montage for him to lose his weight right oh yeah yeah has to be yeah probably set to like flash gordon yeah, something. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so God. I can't wait for that movie either. God. How are these? How are those two movies, Strange and Thor, coming out two months apart? Like it's just crazy know. to me. Like I, I Thor don't feels know. like it's so far away, but it's so close. It's three months away. Almost yeah, two months away. Even. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't understand. I, we went a whole year without any properties. We last year we got some pretty good ones. We got some some. Mm-hmm great ones and we got the mediocre ones this year so far might be batting a thousand with the start of moon night you know yeah <laughs> i mean let alone we've got um black panther is still november oh my God, right? that's this year too yeah uh spider-verse got pushed back mm, that's true so that's a disappointment but mm-hmm. um yeah we got we got Wakanda Forever coming up. We got Love and Thunder coming up. We got Multiverse of Madness coming up. I just this is going to be a great year. It's all it even is. just in not just in superhero movies, but it's been a great year for movies in general. Yeah, um, I've seen the Batman three times already. I've seen everything everywhere all at once twice now. Mm-hmm. Um, Jackass Forever was a fun time in theaters. Like I, <laughs> I, I can't tell you how much fun I'm having right now. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of having fun, it's time to say goodbye. <laughs> it is. 
it's sure late. You're all happy to turn off your podcasting apps, get some rest, let us stop shouting at you and cracking jokes at Ezra Miller's expense. It's been a ride. That's <laughs> been a ride. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Infinity Watchers. Um, we are tentatively planning to do a Doctor Strange recap for next week's episode um, and then tackle Moon Knight's episode five and six together um, mm. as a joint episode, as we have been for this series so far. Um, however, if we do get kind of a bombshell episode five of Moon Knight, we may split that out into its own recording. Yeah. Um, so, you know, these penultimate episodes of the Disney Plus series sometimes have uh, some bombshells in them. So so we'll see how how that goes. But, you know, thanks for listening to us this go around and we will catch you in the next multiverse. For Jared, I'm John and we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>